0: An Awkward Customer On a bright day in March, a small Japanese lady was walking down a busy street in Tokyo when a walrus fell from the sky and landed on her. Don't ask me what a walrus was doing there or how it happened to be on that unusual trajectory. It just was. And as you might imagine, if indeed you care to imagine it, the poor innocent creature was flattened like a pancake. So was the lady. Her spirit, somewhat vexed by this inconvenience, found itself in a busy terminal building complete with check-in desks, destination boards and tatty leather furniture. Yet she took all of this in her stride, assuming, rightly in this case, that she'd been translated to the afterlife, and then immediately forming a very clear idea of everyone else's duty of care to her. That done, she waited patiently for a full fifteen seconds before complaining. Excuse me, she said to a baggage handler, how long is all this going to take? You're supposed to be helping people and don't even think of answering back. She spoke in a clear, clipped staccato, her voice wavering on the higher notes, suggesting a certain frailty. This latter quality served much the same purpose as the camouflage of the praying mantis, or the jumping spider of Tanzania. Fortunately for the baggage handler, the lady's name was called before he even had a chance to gather his thoughts, so she left him standing there with his mouth open, and proceeded directly to the check-in desk. On her way across the concourse, she passed a harried-looking woman with wet hair and smudged make-up. She'd just arrived from an air crash in the North Atlantic, and was dragging a battered-looking suitcase on wonky wheels. To make matters worse, she was having to contend with her obnoxious five-year-old son, who was having a tantrum. Give him a couple of good smacks, our heroine advised. She was then handed a sealed envelope at the check-in desk. What's this nonsense, she grumbled, reaching for her glasses. It had a name, Tanisan on the one side, and a rage on the other, which was both offensive and wrong. Everyone knew that you always rounded down to the nearest ten when it came to ladies. It should have said forty, not that other number. Your score's inside, explained the girl behind the counter. All of the dead are given a score now. It's part of our new fast-track service. Every time you did a good deed on earth, you were awarded points, and points were deducted whenever you acted selfishly. A score over five hundred gets you into heaven. Under five hundred and it's... Here the silly girl made a shrill whistling noise and jerked her thumb in a downward direction, which was inappropriate, disrespectful and just plain old rude in Tannisan's opinion. She would definitely be making a complaint about the attitude of the staff here. That baggage handler was just as bad. Needless to say, I shall be reporting your insolence to your superiors, she snapped, quietly enjoying the feeling of self-righteous indignation. If your behaviour is indicative of the standards here, I can only assume that you will lose all of your best customers to the Muslims. Good day. With that, she bustled off through security, pausing only to insult a guard, before emerging into the bright open space of the departure hall. There were twelve long queues snaking back and forth around barriers to the desks at the far end. At each of these sat an elderly gentleman in white robes. To his left, there was a door marked Heaven. To his right, a door marked Hell. One by one, the travellers stepped up and handed over their envelopes. Then once their scores had been checked and stamped, they were directed to one of the two doors, although it sometimes took a little bit more than that to get them to where they were meant to be, hence the necessity of the brawny guards with the tiny wings, who were standing by, next to the administrators. Now the impossible Mrs Tanny had already come to the conclusion that this system was inefficient, unacceptable and anti-Japanese for some reason. She simply couldn't agree with such a stupid way of doing things and wasn't the least bit interested in her score. Nonetheless, a certain course of action had already begun to suggest itself to her, so she quietly joined the end of one queue and began looking around for a likely candidate to be co-opted into her scheme. It didn't take her long to find one. About halfway down the line of people to her left, there was another Asian woman dressed in the sober habit of a nun, a passionist nun from South Korea, as a matter of fact. This was precisely the sort of person that Tanisan had been looking for, so she promptly abandoned her place in the queue, strolled over and bumped into the sister from behind, knocking the envelope clean out of her victim's hand. Terribly sorry, said Tannisan, bending down to pick it up, only to hand the wrong envelope back to her. How very clumsy of me. With that, she rejoined her own queue, having fallen back three places. A small price to pay for what she'd gained by leaving it. For the next few minutes, she was obliged to exercise all of her patience and self-restraint. But then slowly, gradually, the line got shorter, and at last it was her turn. It was only then, as she stood before the check-in desk, that she realised that the gentlemen in robes, the ones who were dealing with the business of the envelopes, were all saints. St Saint John to her left, St Paul to her right, and here, in front of her, St Peter. Tanis handed him the sealed envelope. Ah, so you are Sister Constance of the Mapyong Monastery in the Diocese of Chengdu, and you are 76 years old, he said. "'reading off the information that was printed on the outside. "'Yes,' said Tannisan, without the slightest flicker of hesitation. "'Hmm,' said the saint, eyeing her doubtfully. "'Very well, let's see what we've got here.' "'He tore open the envelope with a paper knife "'and checked the figure that was printed inside. "'All at once, his kind, gentle face lit up with delight.' "'Oh, well done!' he exclaimed. "'How on earth did you manage such a remarkable score?' "'It was easy,' said Tannisan with a shrug of her shoulders. "'I'm a very good person.' "'Oh!' said the saint, somewhat deflated. "'Right, well, door on the left. "'Go straight through.' "'Can I ask you one question?' said Tannisan, standing her ground. "'St. Peter paused, his stamp poised motionlessly over the scorecard. "'Er, yes?' He said. Can you fly? asked Tanisan. Beg pardon? said the saint, leaning forward. Can you fly? she repeated, raising her voice a little. St. Peter was still struggling to formulate some sort of meaningful response when there was a tremendous commotion at the next desk. At the centre of this disturbance was the real Sister Constance, who was being manhandled by two of the security guards. She was digging in her heels and clinging on to any fixture in a desperate attempt to prevent herself from being transported to her final destination. Minus 742, she was shouting. How can I possibly have minus 742? I did nothing but good works. I collected for the poor and the sick and I listened to their endless bloody whining all day. And for what, I ask you, for what? I should have kept the cash and told the pasty-faced bastards to get stuffed. ''Some people have no dignity,'' said Tannisan with a quick sideways glance. She then turned to St Peter and tugged on his robe. She was still waiting for a reply to her previous inquiry. ''Well, can you? Fly, I mean?'' The saint's attention was torn between the bizarre spectacle taking place to his right and this odd little woman looking up at him from the other side of the desk. "Er, ''No, madam,'' he mumbled distractedly, "I ''I can't fly.'' Still, Tanisan persisted. "'So what's the point?' she asked. "'Sorry? What's the point of being a saint if you don't have any privileges?' At this, St Peter frowned and finally gave her his full attention. "'Of course there are privileges,' he said, hardly able to believe his hairy ears. (laughs) "'My dear lady, sainthood is the highest honour that can be bestowed on a human being. "'It has to be earned through faith and sacrifice.' As a saint, you get to stand among the highest rank of angels, those closest to God. But unlike an angel, Tanisan was quick to point out, you can't fly. No, madam, said St Peter, showing the first signs of irritation in over 2,000 years. You're absolutely right. I can't fly. So all you do is stand around God all day, getting on his nerves. No, of course not. There's a lot more to it than that. Like what, for instance? Oh, uh, well, said St Peter, struggling to think of something. We praise and adore him, sing hosannas and what have you. And? Well, we we worship. Worship? Worship. Praising and worshipping. That's it. You're making it sound boring, but it's not, said St Peter. In heaven, everyone lives in peace and happiness. There are no more tears, no more pain, and no more sorrow. ''That's okay," said Tanisan. ''I like a challenge.'' ''And what's even better,'' added the saint, ''is that you're reunited with any members of your family who've passed on. ''In fact, given sufficient time, you'll get to meet many of your ancestors, dating all the way back to the time of Noah and his family.'' ''If you'd ever actually met any of my relatives,'' said Tanisan, ''you'd realise that isn't much of an incentive.'' ''All right,'' said St Peter, ''if that's not to your liking.'' "'You could always spend your time helping those less fortunate than yourself.' "'Tanisan pulled a face. "'Well, how about a job, then?' "'A job? Why would I want that? "'If I really have to go to heaven, then all I want to do "'is to find a nice, cosy place and have a bit of me-time away from the riffraff. "'I thought that was what Jesus was crucified for.' "'Er, uh, no. Look, we're getting confused,' said the saint. All I'm saying is that God sometimes asks people to perform certain tasks. This is as much for the benefit of the doer as the recipient. I still think it's a bit of a cheek, said Tanisan. What kind of tasks? Well, that would depend on the type of skills you'd acquired in life, the saint explained. If you're a teacher, say, you might be asked to tutor children who had never been born. Tanisan thought about this for a moment. I see, she said, so... You die and go to heaven, thinking everything's going to be all sweet and lovely from now on, only to find yourself in front of a classroom full of foetuses. Neat little rows of foetuses, all looking up at you with their dead eyes and blank little foetus faces. I don't know about you, but I think even the most experienced and highly qualified teacher would find that very off-putting. No, no, it's, it's not like that at all. No one hesitates when they're tasked by God because they know it's part of the spiritual process. "'That's because they've been brainwashed,' said danny "'What?' "'Yes, I've seen it before. "'Some smart young man with a pen and a clipboard "'stops you in the street and asks you about Jesus. "'Then the next thing you know, he's emptied your bank account "'and you're dancing around the airport in an orange nightie. "'And coming back to these foetuses, "'they haven't lived long enough to earn any points, "'yet for some strange reason they go straight to heaven. "'How's that fair?' "'Why do you keep going on about the fetuses?" asked St Peter.' who was finally starting to lose it. It doesn't matter about the bloody foetuses, forget about them. Well, that's a fine thing for a saint to say, exclaimed Tanisan, only pretending to be shocked. St Peter made a monumental effort not to rise to the bait. Instead, he took a deep breath and tried to adopt a more roundabout approach. Madam, he began in his most reasonable voice, what you seem to be utterly incapable of appreciating is that for some reason and God knows why, you've been rewarded with a place in heaven. Am I getting through to you at all, dear lady? Heaven, what some might regard as the ultimate fulfilment of all human longings. Think of the happiest moment you've ever experienced, and multiply it by a billion. Then understand this, in heaven there's no end to this joy, no ageing, no pain, no disease, no loneliness, no fear, no death. And even then, you've only just scratched the surface. Tanisan considered this for a moment and then shook her head emphatically. No, 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 she said. I don't like the sound of that at all. The flying was the only part I was looking forward to. What else have you got? St Peter gave a weary sigh and put his head in his hands. Well, there is only one other choice, isn't there? Eternal damnation. Cast into the bottomless pit to be tormented by devils and demons. And before you ask... They can't fly either. Well, what's that got to do with it, said Tannisan. At least it sounds a bit more interesting. Or it would do if it worked. At this, St Peter gaped at her in outrage and astonishment. Hold on, it was you kept going on about... What do you mean, if it worked? Here he sat up straight, his long white beard bristling. Look, he said, there are many ways of describing hell, but interesting isn't one of them. "'It's a ghastly place full of fiery lakes and fiendish tortures.' "'And on top of all that, it doesn't work,' said Tanisan. "'Yes, it does,' countered the saint. "'No, it doesn't.' "'Yes, it does!' shouted St Peter, "'thumping the desk with the side of his fist. "'How do you know?' persisted the tiny woman, "'not only undeterred but thoroughly enjoying herself. "'Have you ever been there?' "'No, of course not.' "'Have any of the other saints or angels?' "'Not recently, no.' "'Then how do you know?' "'Ah! Aha!' grinned the saint, pointing a finger at her. "'But you haven't been there either, have you? So how do you know?' "'That's not the same thing at all,' said Tanisan, almost believing it herself. "'My argument is based on logic and reason, whereas yours is just hearsay. "'Hell is supposed to be eternal punishment, isn't it? "'But anyone with any sense knows that no matter how bad things are, "'you always get used to them in the end.' "'so even the most dreadful punishment imaginable is bound to fail, given sufficient time. "'And I do know what hell's like, thank you very much. "'If you'd check your records properly instead of picking pointless arguments with me, "'you'd know that I was once stuck in a lift with three Chinese, two Koreans, "'and the little man who cleans the toilets at Ikebukuro metro station.' "'Well, let me assure you,' said St Peter, now very upset and red in the face, Hell most certainly does work, and you, my dear lady, you are the living proof. Just at that moment, the door to heaven swung open, and a shaft of light bathed the departure hall in a dazzling radiance. Then from this peerless splendour emerged an angel, a real live angel, with piercing blue eyes and long blonde hair that fell over his shoulders in shimmering tresses. Majestic and beautiful, he stood resplendent in his shining silver armour, a heavily jewelled sword hanging from his belt. Two great wings sprouted from his shoulder blades, while a gold halo framed his face like a ring of laser light. There was a collective gasp of awe as he stood before the assembled multitude and looked about, this strange, ethereal being from another world. "'What's going on?' he asked St Peter. "'There's no one coming through and you've got a hell of a queue building up here.' "'I know,' said the saint, running a hand through his silvery mane in sheer exasperation. "'It's this lady. She's got more than enough points for heaven, but she doesn't want to go.' "'Give it here,' said the saint, snatching the paperwork from him. "'Good Lord!' he exclaimed, his snowy feathers ruffling in surprise. The last person I met with a score like that was the blessed Martyr St Antipas had been boiled in a pot like a bloody Christmas pudding. Excuse me, can I ask you one question, said Tannisan, knocking on his silver breastplate to get his attention. What kind of qualifications do you need to become an angel? At this, St Peter grabbed the seraph by the arm and shook his head, as if to say, don't go there. Then he dragged him over to one side, and the two of them had a private conversation by the sorting boxes. Every now and then, one or the other would glance back over his shoulder at Tanisan, who was still stood at the desk, only the top of her head visible. What they didn't realise, of course, was that she had very keen hearing when it came to certain things. Money called to her, she claimed, and she could pick out the sound of the softest, creamiest chocolate cake being cut from over 50 paces. So from that distance, she had no difficulty eavesdropping on their conversation. It seemed that her refusal to go to heaven, especially with such a high score, would pose all sorts of legal and bureaucratic difficulties. In fact, such a situation had never occurred before and may have serious repercussions at the highest level, and they couldn't just bundle her off to the other place as she'd only be sent back with a strongly worded note. After some discussion, the angel came back to the check-in desk, pausing only to straighten his halo, which had begun to slip in the heat of argument. "'All right,' he said, beckoning over a couple of security guards. "'I'll handle this. "'I want you to take this lady out through the side entrance,' he explained, "'hastily scribbling the word void onto her scorecard. "'Make sure that she has all of her belongings with her "'and don't let her out of your sight until she's on the other side. "'What about my question?' That's Tannisan. Still immovable. Oh, ah, yes, said the saint, as he signed and dated the amendment. About the qualifications, you mean. I'll make sure that you get all the the necessary leaflets and application forms in due course. St Peter, who'd been peering over the serif's shoulder as all this was going on, nodded his approval. He was only too keen to be rid of this deceptively small yet dangerous woman who posed more of a threat to universal order than the rebel angels ever had. Once the paperwork was complete, he sent her on her way with a cheery wave, very pleased to bid farewell to the bureaucratic nightmare that was Tannisan. The two security guards escorted her through a door marked Emergency Exit, down a long deserted corridor with cobwebs and leaky pipes, through a generator room, past some fuse boxes, through a sort of staff area where a group of off-duty angels and demons were playing cards, and then down another corridor with peeling paintwork to a door at the far end. The senior guard took a bunch of keys from his belt and tried various ones until he found the key that fitted. Then he pushed the door open, and Tanisan stepped out into a bright spring morning in early March. The door slammed shut behind her, and when she looked round it wasn't there anymore. All that remained was the seamless concrete wall of the Tokuhan's department store. In fact, she was right back where she'd started, on a busy shopping street in downtown Ikebukuro. Being of a pretty unflappable disposition, Tanisan took all of this supernatural strangeness in her stride and thought no more about it. But then something caught her attention, for who should come walking down the street at that very moment but a lady called Mrs. Sato, who attended the same Friday morning English class as she did. Over the weeks, Tanisan had developed an intense dislike of this person because she thought she was better than everyone else. She was forever telling people how she'd lived in the UK and had even committed the unforgivable sin of correcting Tanisan’s English on more than one occasion. All the same, Tanisan did nothing to avoid her, for as much as she loathed the wretched woman, she enjoyed the feeling of animosity even more and saw this as an unmissable opportunity to be rude. Mrs Sato greeted her with a brusque good morning and coldly inquired as to whether Tanisan would be attending the lesson that Friday. She then went on to insinuate that Tanisan might be better off in a lower-level group. Very quickly, though, her voice trailed off. What unnerved her so was the fact that Tanisan wasn't looking at her exactly. Instead, she was peering with intense concentration at a spot just to the left of her nose. Then she suddenly snapped out of it. Oh, I'm so sorry, she said in her sweetest voice. I wasn't listening to a single thing you said. There's a mark on your cheek which is very distracting. I can't decide whether it's mucus or the first symptom of a disease. You wouldn't happen to have a mirror on you by any chance. Mrs Sato put a hand to her face and gave a little gasp. Then all at once she began rummaging about in her bag for something to see herself with. It was at this point that Tanisan decided to take her leave. However, she'd barely crossed over to the other side of the street when there was a tremendous thud behind her, followed by horrified screams. She turned to see that an enormous walrus, whiskered, tusked and blubbery, had landed on the opposite side of the road, right on the spot where she'd been standing only moments before. The ground around it was cracked, and there was a thin pair of legs poking out from beneath a mottled flipper. The sensible brown shoes she recognised, they belonged to Mrs Sattel. For a moment, Tanisan stood there, calmly watching the scene unfold as people ran towards the site of the regrettable occurrence. She would not have wished such a fate on anyone, even Mrs Sattel. But now that it had happened, there was nothing she could do about it. After all, the poor woman was dead, flattened like a pancake and even if she did try to help, she'd just be getting in the way. No, in cases such as this, where a very ugly woman with overrated language ability had been crushed by a falling marine mammal, it was best left to the emergency services to sort out. Indeed, she only lingered long enough to record the chaotic aftermath on her smartphone before continuing on her way, albeit on an entirely different basis, existentially speaking.